Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast, an extension of our adult Sunday school ministry and stories of grace. Pastor Brandon here, along with Pastor Steve. Hey there. And we are committed to utilizing this platform to continue our church's rich tradition of deep theological teaching through our adult Sunday school ministry. Though this unique season of following Jesus has not been without its share of challenges, we hope that you will tune in weekly to dive deeper into the scriptures as we hear from the vast array of teachers that we are blessed to call family here at Grace Church. Welcome back to the Grace Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. We are back with Ben Flutterer, who was here yesterday talking about what it is to be salt and light, the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount. So thanks so much, Ben, for joining us again here. And um, if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode, we encourage you to do so. This conversation that we will be moving into will only make sense if you've heard that first episode. So encourage you to listen to that. And just to echo Pastor Steve's words from yesterday that we are coming to the close of the season of the Grace Church podcast. Who knows where it will go from here, but for at least the foreseeable future, we'll kind of be wrapping things up here next week as the Sunday school semester comes to a close. So, Lord willing, we will be in person for Sunday school come 2021, but who's to say, boys? <laughs> Who knows what next year will bring? That's right. <laughs> yep. Anywho. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for being here, Ben, and uh, we'd love to just throw out some questions that we maybe have from your lesson on salt and light, and we'll just get things started. So, okay. Pastor Steve, would you yeah, maybe I, get us rolling? I want to start where you ended, and okay. uh, you did a little bit of a mic drop there <laughs> at, at the end of the session uh, saying, you know, you haven't seen in discipleship books um, using the Sermon on the Mount as a central... Uh, as a central text or central theme there. And, and um, I, uh, well, I mean, there's certainly books on the Sermon on the Mount, obviously. Sure. And, but, and I'm sure there are books aimed at discipleship with that as well. I'm, there it, could it's just be. Maybe not always what we think about in terms of discipleship. I've never thought of a discipleship book as, oh, yeah, that that's going to be centered around Sermon on the Mount. So, I, I mean, just from a, Right <laughs> baseline, and, there, agree with that. But. And I'm not saying we should um, that that that's the only way to look at it, or that sure. that, um, that uh, discipleship just means that. Um, right. But it's interesting that you know Jesus is is saying, "I want you to be salt and light in the world, and I want um, you to to be a certain way, live a certain way," and then he's got two and a half more chapters of yeah. basically how to be and live, <laughs> um, that that kind of really uh, connects, I think, as we think about it. Yeah, from, a, uh, I guess, the 10,000-foot view, what are, what are some of those things that you go, these are central towards discipleship hmm. uh, that are instructions here and, and, and we don't need to get into each of the you know anger mm -hmm. and lust and oaths mm -hmm. and that. but but what would you say are some of the main things that go um yeah just by way of overview of these mm -hmm. are central to the sermon on the mount well um you've got i mean that's part of what yesterday's yeah. lesson was but yeah no i i think that um that that's maybe a good place to start for today 
um, you know, there's a big section in chapter five that is that you might call um, relational mm-hmm. um, aspects of of living well, of of uh, of uh, righteousness. So things like um, the role of anger and what it does, and 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 how you know you can you can quote murder somebody um, with your words. Mm. And, mm. um, and, and things as, as simple things that, I mean, you look around in our culture and, and you look at, I mean, let's be honest, I look at my own life and things, things as, as uh, common as name calling, mm-hmm. you know, how much name calling do we have in our world? And, and Jesus says, you know, if, I mean, he goes through, um, you know, kind of different levels of calling somebody a name. Ending with if you say you fool, um, you're in danger of the fire of hell. Mm-hmm. So, so with our words we can kill. With anger we can kill, uh, so to speak. And then, uh, then lust, and um, and then the issues around divorce and and marriage, um, oaths, taking of oaths, which really is are are we are we speaking the truth? Are we known as people who always speak the truth? Mm-hmm. Um, that means we have to be people who always um, who who discern the truth, believe the truth, who um, who are not willing to believe falsehoods very easily. Um, uh, re- things ab- around retaliation, things around, uh, and then um, he says, "I've told you, love. You know, you should love your neighbor. I tell you, love your enemies." Well, that's big. So there's relational. Then he gets into devotional uh, aspects uh, of giving and prayer and fasting and so forth. We can talk about any of those and judging. And uh, so there, there's just a lot of of um, material. It, it, we could take a long time, <laughs> you know, yeah. that to to look at this. Pastor Jonathan preached on the Sermon on the Mount uh, yep. a couple of years ago now, and. Uh, I don't remember how many weeks that series was, but but I'll bet that if you asked him, he had other more material he could have uh, could have preached uh, than what the weeks allowed, uh, because there's so much here. So I'll ask this a little bit facetiously, and I ask it facetiously, but because I've heard other people say things like casting doubt on. Does Jesus actually expect us to live like that, though? <laughs> I mean, come on. Right. It, it, could, could that just be the ideal, and maybe one day we'll get there, but Jesus doesn't actually expect us to live like that, does he, Ben? <laughs> um, you know, the, maybe our first inclination is, oh, boy, I hope not, because I know <laughs> that I fall so far short of that. Mm. Um and and I think the the answer is maybe twofold. He, um, you know, obviously Jesus knows our weaknesses and knows our frailties and and he knows our sin. And so um, he clearly um, he understands that none of us are going to live up to this um, this lofty um, ideal, you might say, of of what righteousness ought to look like in a mm-hmm. follower of Christ. 
Um, I'd be first in line to admit that in my own life. Um, but it's, um, it would be wrong to stop there because, um, you know, we do this all the time and we, we hold up an ideal for somebody knowing that it's, um, you know, higher. I mean, I, I teach medical students and I, and, and so we, we hold up an ideal. We teach them how we think things ought to uh, think, teach them things they need to know. But I know that they're not going to get a hundred percent on the test. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that getting 50% is okay. That means we, we need to do as best we can. Mm. So in the same way, um, th this is, it is in one sense an ideal. It's, it's unreachable like the, the righteousness of, Jesus is, uh, but we're called to to live into that. We're called to um, to take this seriously, and and yes, I think we're expected to do some of these things that are hard. Mm. And you know, we there are examples uh, some around us. There are examples in history. The, some of the greatest stories that we read of people in history are people who have done just this, who have done the hard things. Mm that Jesus talks about and shown us the way. So I, so I'm not letting Brandon ask questions here, but I, <laughs> I, I got to ask the question of why. Why, why are we at, at a place that we don't take um, the commands of Christ seriously? Or, hmm. it, you know, I could think of maybe potential reasons myself, but it's just like, how, how did that get a part of our Christian life that we we don't think that righteousness, uh, personal righteousness, should be considered. Yeah, that's that's a. I think it's an important question. It's a difficult question. I don't necessarily yeah. feel um, completely qualified to answer that. But I, um, I think that, um, and and first of all, I think, I think people do take this seriously. Um, so you don't want to paint with a broad brush. I think that that many people and and people in in uh, that I that I'm so blessed to know and call yeah. friends and mm -hmm. call um, you know brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I see them living these things out, and I think people do take them seriously. Mm. I think as a um, as a society, and maybe. You know, broadly as professing Christians in our day, in our in our place, um, um, we we maybe don't take these things as seriously as we should. We we're um, and and maybe maybe because um, we've uh, we've focused so much on the fact that we're that we, we can't live up to this righteous standard? Mm. Well, we, we can't, but again, we're, we're called to a standard, not in order to attain God's approval or merit, but in order to live out the righteousness of Christ in us that he has imputed to us, we stand forgiven, yeah. and then go out and, and, and live uh, like it, and so I think maybe just that pendulum is uh, ha has 
swung a bit far that direction. And it's just so easy to, to go with the flow mm-hmm. in culture. One of the things Jesus says in, uh, in I think, in Matthew 7 is, uh, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path. And, and we don't want really to walk in the narrow. We, we want to, <laughs> we go with the flow and, and, you know, I think we each have to think what's the flow that we get caught up in because it's different for different people. Um, and so whatever that flow that we're tempted to get caught up in that we know if we're honest, we look and say, that isn't really consistent with the righteousness of Christ. Um, then that's, that's the area that's the biggest danger for us. Oh, man, that's such a good word. I find myself doing that sometimes where I have to just keep bringing myself back to, but but I'm measuring myself against Christ and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, I'm not called to look at this person and say, well, I'm, you know, right. light years ahead of that person. Right. But, but Christ is our standard, mm-hmm. not other people. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. really, really helpful, Ben. And I think you touched on that a little bit in the, in the session from yesterday of uh, you talked about good works and how we sometimes get really leery as people who uh, uh, affirm the doctrine of sola fide. We get a little <laughs> leery of talking about works because oh, those don't save us. And yet Jesus calls us to <laughs> let your light shine before others so that right. they may... Uh, glorify your father right yeah i think i think that that's uh that's very true would you care to expound on that at all just where where is that balance and how do you how do you how do you i'm I'm sorry that's a very specific question i'll tell you when i find it (laughs) how do you work on that balance in your life Hmm. well well you said it well um it's to look inward, and 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 I confess that um, that I I just need to constantly be reminded of that. And it, what you were talking about in not looking at others and saying, well, you know, I'm better than them, or or they're doing something wrong, but to look at myself. Well, guess what? In the sermon, Jesus says talks just about that. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, you're trying to get a speck out of Pastor Steve's eye over here. <laughs> Every day. You've got every a, day. <laughs> you've got a two by four in your own eye. You've got a beam in your eye, and that's you know that's hyperbole. It's it's a it's, but it's meant to say, you know, the problem in your own heart might be a lot bigger than the problem you're criticizing or judging somebody else for, hmm. and um, um, you know that's a word that I continually need. And so I think that's a place to start. This is meant not as a uh, not as a template to place over somebody else and say, "How are they measuring up?" It's a it's something to look at myself and say, "Okay, how how's my life when it comes to anger? How's my life when it comes to judging others? When it comes to lust? When it comes to my relationships and truth?" Hmm. So we were walking through the the lust section of this, I can't, I honestly just can't remember the context. It might've been Sunday school or uh, some, you know, Wednesday night kind of thing. But um, afterwards I was talking to a student and, um, and we, you know, come to this verse that 
you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown in hell. And, <laughs> you know, he's talking about, you know, of course, this is hyperbole, and <laughs> this is just a, a spiritual way of saying it. I said, well, I don't disagree with you, but are you sure? <laughs> like, if your right eye is causing you to sin, would it be better? Would it be better that you actually blind yourself? Wh- which thing is better, to be blind or or to go to hell? <laughs> like, and, and like it's that how how serious are we about, right. about sin in internal, not just the external sin, but the internal sin that lies uh, within each of us? And you know, to what measure are we are we mm-hmm. uh, willing to go? The the other thing I'd mention maybe on this topic is I I did think of uh, a discipleship book huh? that that deals with Sermon on the Mount, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <laughs> it, it's one of the most famous discipleship books, yeah. and it's it's yeah. centered around this Sermon on the Mount, and yeah. I think that 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 cost of discipleship is is um yeah it's kind of what we're talking about yeah. How many times do you think he went back in his mind and and thought about uh, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute mm. you, um, say all mm. manner of evil against you, um, going in a, going up against the Nazi regime, regime and mm-hmm. losing his life really just at the end of the war. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a great example and and you know when you look at heroes of the faith. They're not heroes who ignore this text. <laughs> They're heroes because they live in it. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier, Steve, about um, that passage about lust and, you know, poking out your eye or, or cutting off your, your arm. Mm-hmm. If it, and um, the best way I saw that explained, I, and I, um, I can't remember where, but I, I, I read it somewhere that, you know the the whole point of this of this sermon is that righteousness is not external; it's yeah. internal. Yeah. And so, in in the sermon itself, it's clear that cutting off your arm, gouging out your eye, could never um, prevent yeah. you from sinning, <laughs> <laughs> because sin is is of the heart, yeah. and and uh, you know lust in particular in that in that context is is internal; it's in the heart. Um, but his point is, um, no sacrifice is too great in order to get to, um, you know, in order to be right and to do what is right. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you touched on that about how, uh, Jesus calls us to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. <laughs> Would you maybe even expound on that just a little bit? Like what... What does it mean that our righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that um, it, it really is that um, that their righteousness, that it was, it really, a lot of the things we're talking about, it was, it was superficial. They set it up so that it... Uh, that that it allowed them to their their understanding of the scripture allowed them to condemn others, mm. but never to look at themselves. Mm. 
such that when the, the king of glory himself came, the fulfillment of all that they held dear, all that they truly believed in the, and, and saw themselves as the guardians of, when he came, um, their, their instinct was to kill him, and, and they didn't receive him because they had, they had set up an entire system of thought around the righteousness that ended up with, <laughs> with righteousness itself embodied hmm. being excluded. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're vulnerable to those kind of, of things. We, we get into deep patterns of thinking about right and wrong that sometimes um, we, don't, we don't question and we don't look at ourselves and scrutinize. It almost makes me think that you could connect that back to what you were just saying about their the external righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right. Their, uh, what they decided to do with Jesus was to stomp him out. Right. Almost kind of like gouging out an eye or cutting off an arm. That their, their way of dealing with him was external because they were so consumed with the external. Right. And I don't... Yeah. Well... <laughs> Again, so many of these things are so relevant in our culture, in our cultural mm-hmm. moment. What, what do uh, I should? I, what do we? So, we means just it, what? What do people in our culture tend to do when somebody comes with a strong criticism against them? Mm-hmm. Cancel them, right? Yeah. Yep. Set mm-hmm. them. Set them aside. Condemn them. Um, uh, label them, and um, and that's what they did with Jesus. And the and the impulse to do that is, um, I think, is is bound up in in self righteousness, and an unwillingness to accept self critique, mm-hmm. and and an unwillingness to um, to look at ourselves, look at that beam in our own eye, and I I think that. The, I think the um, the instruction of the whole Sermon on the Mount, if if we'll if we'll have it, if we'll take it in, really allows us to to work against the, those impulses. Yeah, and I'll I'll just be honest and say I I understand the impulse to want to ignore somebody who is bringing critique because right. to look inward and and have to deal with the mess that is inside, that's hard right. because that m- might mean that I would have to change my thinking. Right. I would have to repent. Right. I would have to uh, do away with some things that I have internalized, and that's, and that's difficult. Right. And so there's a sense in which, um, though the Pharisees were dead wrong, I can at least identify with that, that knee-jerk reaction to just, nope, I, I'm going to cancel out what you're saying or ignore what you're saying. And that's what Jesus <laughs> calls right. us to not do. <laughs> right. It, it's, it's so true. And, and especially when, when people that, that are trustworthy, that people that we, that we know and have trusted um, bring us a critique, we, we need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know, maybe that's getting a little bit tangential, but... 
could be. Yeah. But I think uh, it is in the spirit of uh, of focusing on the beam the in our own eye and and thinking about this in terms of what do I need to change? How do I need to to grow in this? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that um, that I was thinking through is just the how do we grow in thinking more about how Jesus is calling us to live? So hmm. it's not it's not just should we um, just spend more time thinking about it, but what are some of the practical ways where you would say hmm. encouragements to these are some helpful next steps hmm. forward on on uh, how to grow in our yeah, thinking about about how Jesus calls us to to live. Hmm. I mean, there's so many different elements in this sermon that that maybe you know we could look at at hmm. each one, um, which we don't have time to do. I mean, one is just uh, one is just reading it and taking it in small parts and just and just thinking, you know, applying it. Okay, so self. Um, Reflection, self-inspection, yeah. and saying, "Okay, what this this anger is this something I'm prone to?" Uh, most of us would say yes to one degree mm-hmm. or another. Um, and and what about what he's talking about? Um, you know, name calling and uh, um, you know, and going on. If 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 I go to the altar, if I go to worship, and I know I've got something against my brother you know do i do i realize that my worship is not the priority at that point that getting right with my brother is the priority mm-hmm. however that needs to to work out so you know in, in some ways it's it, these are this is very practical in terms of of um you know what Jesus tells us. So he talks about lust and, and, you know, um, you have heard that, that it is said you shall not, not commit adultery. Um, and I think, um, that, that a key realization is knowing, first of all, all of us that, that we are vulnerable to sins and even sins that seem like they might be far away. But that the road to those leads from the way we think and allow ourselves to think, or what we allow ourselves to look at, or, or the the mindset we let develop, and that can that can happen very subtly. And so, you know, putting up, um, putting up uh, stop signs in our life as far as no, I won't go there, or I won't get in that situation, I won't I won't go down that way of thinking. Because that could lead to, um, you know, getting into situations that uh, that are ruinous. Hmm. So, you know, I think we have like uh, I'll say known battles with sin. Yeah, and these are uh, ongoing, and you know, we're we're not just going after at least I would say Christians not just going after the external. Um, uh, so we'll bring up anger since that's one right. that kind of keeps coming up, but we're not, we're not saying I'm just not going to murder anyone. Right. You know? Right. Well, we, as we, if we deal with anger, we are, we are in a battle internally and we are going after it. But one of the things I hear from you, and I think this is a helpful thing is 
we need to expose ourselves to not not just the known battles and going after those internally, but we really really need some self reflection upon maybe maybe our eyes need to be open to some unknown battles that that really are going on mm-hmm. uh, that we're just lo- losing, but we're we're not even mm-hmm. uh, so aware that it's happening. And it's that I would say hearing from the spirit. Um, uh, open ourselves up to the Spirit's work in our in our life, mm-hmm. uh, and that hearing from the Spirit can come in different forms. Yeah, mm-hmm. it can come in prayer. Yeah, it can come in you know time spent in the Word. Yeah, but time it can also spent looking at the <laughs> it can also come from just a, a good friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is speaking truth into your life. Yep. and so be willing to be ready for mm-hmm. that to come in different forms. I guess. <laughs> I I think that's really true. That that um, when you talk about practical ways. That we can we can grow in this. It's um, you know sometimes that is the that comes from from the way we speak to each other, and hmm. you know we're probably hesitant to speak much to each other yeah. about how we live. <laughs> we're and 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 there's a way to do that right, and and right. you have to earn um, kind of earn that uh, that right, uh, but. Um, but if we if we're willing to talk about these things, just to have conversation like we we are sitting here, um, I think we can encourage, like as the scripture says, encourage one another to love and good works, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and and so by our example and by encouraging each other, we can grow together. That's much of what living in community and discipleship is about. Yeah. I'm going to go real abstract for a moment, and uh, forgive me if this is just totally unhelpful. In fact, <clears throat> I can even cut this out if this is just so unhelpful. But <laughs> but something that you said, Ben, it, it kind of registered a little bit with me in your, in your first session as you were kind of tracking through the entire Sermon on the Mount of, of chapters 5 through 7. And it, it made me wonder if there's some validity in... When you think about the Ten Commandments, they can hmm. essentially be cut in half that some hmm. deal with hmm. this is the way that you love God and this is the way that you love mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. There's this vertical mm-hmm. element to it and there's this horizontal mm-hmm. element to it. And I hadn't thought about the Sermon on the Mount in that way until something that you said just kind of struck a chord in me that Jesus is just kind of mirroring that in that hmm. this is how you love God. And this is how you love others. Now, that's a really reductionist way of saying it. <laughs> but it seems like this sermon deals with all of that, of how you vertically love God and horizontally are right with your fellow neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is there is there validity to that? Um, I, I don't even know that I have a question there, except to just say that something, and I don't even remember what it was that you said, um, that, that triggered that mm-hmm. for me, but well, yeah, I don't. Uh, they, I guess, the easy answer is I don't know if the, if that how valid or intentional that is in the scripture. But but what it makes me think about is just um, is Jesus saying, um, "I'm uh, I'm not coming to abolish the law and the prophets. This is um, uh, every jot and." Every I dot and every iota is going to be uh, fulfilled. 
And so clearly, as Jesus taught on these, when when he talks, I mean, he explicitly says, you've heard it say, don't murder. Mm-hmm. That's explicit reference to um, to the Ten Commandments. So as Jesus is, is going through this, he's thinking about that, um, and he's expounding it in a way to, to tell us what is really the heart of the commandment. Mm. Um, and and uh, you know I don't know about the you know the other that chapter six and seven which where it's more um, sort of that vertical how we relate to God in the that the ways that we devoted the way that we pray, um, but but this passage is is closely connected to the Ten Commandments I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like if there was a spectrum of on one end you've got. Jesus saying, I didn't come to abolish this. So it's not that we're leaving the law behind entirely. Right. I've also heard it said, like, well, Jesus is just upping the ante here. (laughs) I don't know that it's so much either of those as much as it's just Jesus clarifying what the law was always intended to do in our hearts anyways. Right. I I think you're right. I think that's... um... You know, I think that's consistent with what he tells us about how he looks at the law and the prophets. Uh, that that the you know that initially, um, you know, Moses probably understood in large part uh, what God was giving him, and but then eventually the people. Um, you know, got far from that, just mm-hmm. like we can with Jesus' teachings here. Yeah, yeah, we can begin to externalize them. Mm-hmm. So I want to push the conversation. There, There's a question that I have that I will regret if I don't ask, and it's, <laughs> and it's based off of um, just the... And, the, and the, I will regret if I answer <laughs> it. But. Well, no, I, <clears throat> so it, based off the, the text that, that you shared... Um, it's it's the you're the salt of the earth and then it's you're the light of the world and and then it's the in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise mm-hmm. your father in heaven salt you know in its purpose light in being a city on the hill like there's an there's an evangelistic element to our good works we've mm-hmm. really focused in or honed in on this mm-hmm. what is this internal righteousness like but mm-hmm. but it seems like one of the driving things from the text that that we we haven't really spent much time about is how our uh, good works uh influence and our and our light for others our salt for mm-hmm. those outside of uh outside of the faith mm-hmm. yeah um I think that you're exactly right about that, and I think that um, if you look at history, um, that was often um, that was often the case. Um, in fact, I I had a there's an article that um, uh, that I saw just a blog post about salt and light that I thought was interesting and. Uh, it says the Roman emperor Julian, after many failed attempts to exterminate Christians from Rome due to their growing influence, wrote a letter to his friend uh, Arsacius expressing his frustration over this fact. The more he tried to eliminate Christians, the more the, their movement would grow. Mm-hmm. The emperor complained to his friends, the Christians take care of our poor 
as they do their own. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I think, and especially especially in a time when the when the cultural winds in our society are blowing toward. Um, you know, in a way that's un- probably unfavorable for Christians, um, cultural norms that that go against uh, some of our um, foundational beliefs and our ways of of looking at morality. That um, you know, we can respond to that in in different ways and. You know, sometimes we tend to respond to that by just trying to hold back the tide. Um, but but it's pretty clear to me that's a tide that can't be held back at mm-hmm. this point. Very, uh, you know, in a in a power sense, in a political sense. But the other thing to do is just to is to make sure. Okay, let's be who we are. Let's be salt. Let's be those who. Are different than the world when it comes to anger and and how we relate to others. Let's be different when it when it comes to um, lust, adultery, marriage, sexual morality. Mm-hmm. Let's be different when it comes to truth. Let's be different in when we do good works that we're not doing it to gain anything. We're doing it because just to do what is right. Let's be different about prayer. And so. Um, and from that, um, we have a platform for the gospel. That's beautiful in itself. Some people will see that, just like the Emperor Julian saw it. Maybe he didn't, he wasn't won over by it as far as we know, but he, he, he knew that he was up against something that he couldn't put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that the kind of living, the kind of righteousness that Jesus calls us to is something that can't, it can't be put out. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think that, I think the in these days um, and in the generations to come, you know, I think about my children and grandchildren, yeah. um, focus is going to need to be on, on being who we are as Christians and um, recognizing that that's going to be a minority view and that um, we that that the way to win the world is by loving our enemies, mm-hmm. doing things that to them don't make sense. The classic, you know, they'll they'll know we're Christians by our love. Yeah, you know, that. and 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 let's face it, um, in our culture at this moment. Uh, a, a majority of people, I think it's fair to say, when they think of Christians, they don't think of our love. Mm. They may think of other things. And if we're honest, if we listen to what people are saying, uh, maybe we haven't put out the the um, uh, maybe maybe we haven't had quite the uh, um, impact or, or the maybe we're not the seasoning, the savor that we want to be. There's a, uh, there's a book called The Rise of Christianity, mm. and uh, it's by this sociologist, Rodney Stark. And mm. mm-hmm. um, so he brought up this quote that you had just shared, this letter. Um, but what, what he's trying to do is he's not a Christian, mm-hmm. and, and he's trying to understand how did Christianity go from this 
<laughs> this single right. guy, these right. these disciples, and explode to the point of where Constantine, you know, becomes emperor, and then now it's state religion. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do we get to that point? And one of the things, because he's just trying to understand it from a sociological standpoint. He's trying to, like, what happened here? Kind of a rational, um, you know, wh- what what went on? And uh, one of the things that he points out is is this um, their their care, you know, was attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you know they treated both uh, women and children was uh, in stark contrast mm-hmm. to the world. One of the other things that he mentions that was a pretty big impact, just just by way of numbers, is uh, there were a number of plagues that would have gone through and. Uh, mm. Christians plagues, you say? Yeah. <laughs> what are those like, Steve? <laughs> well, Christians cared for one another within yeah. those, and so when you yeah. have people that were, it could go either direction, right? And the Christians practically gave people food, whereas the the unbelievers, it, this is just his record, you know, his trying to understand the history of what was happening was the understanding was that the Christians drastically cared for their own and others would you know if a plague came they would just abandon them right because they didn't have that same community so just by way of numbers you know he was trying to come up with rational explanation for why did christian christianity grow and one of the things is their their people were able to survive plagues because they cared for one another right and right. Uh, just the way you know even in the normative or ordinary means of God working in in the growth of Christianity was just real practical ways of of love, and mm-hmm. that's I'm just reminded of that is that you know in the same way that maybe Christianity was able to grow and flourish mm-hmm. um, uh, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of a lot of life circumstances like plague, um, there the love that they had was was in contrast uh, to right. the world. Yeah, and and you know those people weren't thinking about grand strategies of how to get Christianity <laughs> to grow. No, they were thinking about what does Jesus call me to do for yeah. my brother. And they were willing from, to die. I mean, the, you go to the person exactly. who has the plague. Exactly, <laughs> it's not. And so um, that's really and and that's frankly that's what that's what I need is just every day to think about. What has Jesus called me to do? How does he call me to respond in this situation yeah. or in that one? And uh, so it's a, a, it's a lifelong venture, I can tell you. I was going to ask if there was anything that, we, uh, that you didn't get to that you wanted to, but man, that, that just seems like a great place to, to end that, it's, especially when we talk about being salt and light. Well, just just that there's so much here. There's uh, and and it's so rich. And uh, um, you know, I'm thankful for. Uh, I was I was so thankful when Pastor Jonathan preached through this, and for um, for those challenges. And I think it's something we can continue to look at, and 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 each of us can say um, can learn from how Jesus is calling us to live as His followers. And uh, as we do that, um, I think there's great, great um, power, and I think people will see and will notice. Thanks so much, Ben.
Thanks for being with us today and thank you guys talking with us about that was a Jesus words. Good conversation. Yeah.